Well, good morning, everybody. All right. Hey, I want to greet those of you who are watching online as well. My name is Brian. If you're here for the first time or tuning in for the first time, and I'm one of the lead pastors here. Um, I hope that you all know this, but we are currently in a 40-day season where we're celebrating 40 years of ministry here at Walnut Hill. And uh, it's been pretty amazing to see what God has done through 40 years. I've been hanging around for about 33 of those years. It's hard to get rid of me. It's hard to get rid of me. But God has done so many amazing things in and through his church. And we've just been kind of tuning our hearts to that, thanking the Lord for his faithfulness in these 40 days. I hope that you've been enjoying your first 20 as we've been going through the book of Acts. If you haven't started that, you can pick up on our website and just go to the first 20 videos just to guide you through the book of Acts uh, over the course of 40 days. Uh, It's just been great to be able to just concentrate and focus our heart's uh, attention on just the faithfulness of God. There are several things coming up that I just wanted to draw your attention to. The next couple weeks, there's going to be a lot of great opportunities for for each and every one of us in these 40 days. Um, Next Saturday, the 5th, we are doing a spiritual gifts seminar. Uh, We already have about 65 or 70 people signed up for that. So please register today if you haven't yet. Great opportunity to discover your spiritual gifts and learn how to develop your spiritual gifts. The following day on Sunday the 7th, that is kind of our official anniversary as a church where we're going to be celebrating 40 years. We have a message from our former pastor, Clive Calver, that's going to be a part of the message that I'm doing. And we might even have a benediction from Joel Eidsness, who was a few years back, for those of you who might remember him. So a special time. And there might even be some cake. Come on. Come on. That should get some applause. People at home, that should get you to come out because it's cake. Come on. So uh, we're going to have a lot of fun that day. That evening, we have a prayer and worship night at the Bethel campus that you're welcome to come to. That Monday, we're going to pray and fast together. So I want to encourage you just to prepare your hearts for that. That week leading up to the 11th, we're going to read the whole Bible together. Now, there's been some confusion. Some people came up to me and said, so you want me to read the whole Bible in one week? I said, yes, come on, what's with you? Get on it, read that Bible. No, 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 we're gonna do that collectively. You sign up for an hour, we'll give you an assignment to read. You read it by the end. When we come to our all-church gathering on February 11th, Friday night, wanna encourage everybody to come out for that. We We will start that event by reading the last scripture. So I wanna encourage you, this has always been a church that's been founded on the word of God, and so we just thought it'd be great for us to read through scripture in its entirety that week. Lots of great things happening. Tune in, look at the website, lots of good things. But we are right now in a sermon series called Bringing Heaven to Earth. We have been focusing on heaven on earth, and we wanted to ask the Lord, Lord, how do we bring heaven to earth? He wants to use you, and he wants to use me. And he does it through the power of his spirit. So we've been learning and studying and discovering more about the Holy Spirit. What an amazing gift. I hope that you've been enjoying this series as we learn more and more about the presence of God in our life. We have a God who's with us, amen? We have a God who walks with us. We have a God who directs us and guides us. We have a God who's with us and he's powerful. He speaks, he moves in our lives. This is a good thing. A good thing. Today, I have a friend of mine who's going to share with me. His name is Matt. I'll introduce you to him in a little bit. But what we want to talk about is the fruit of the Spirit. 
I wonder, what is your life producing? When people are around you and they leave, what are they saying? You know, I had a friend in college, his name was Josh, and I always loved being around Josh. In fact, everybody loved being around Josh. If I thought of a Winnie the Pooh character, I would think of Tigger for Josh. He just brought joy and excitement everywhere he went. Everyone loved to be around Josh. Now, there was another friend of mine, I won't mention his name, in case, for some reason, he's watching right now, but he was more of the Eeyore character. Everywhere he went, it was miserable. Everything was an obstacle. Everything was a problem. And so all of a sudden you're around him and you kind of began to avoid him because you knew what was around the corner. Do any of you have a friend like that? Just raise your hand. Don't point. Don't point. But yeah, maybe we have some friends like that. What is your life producing? When people are around you, what are they experiencing? See, Scripture teaches us that we should display the fruit of the Spirit. That if we are people walking in step with the Spirit, we should display the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, this is the evidence that you are a person walking in step with the Spirit of God. That you display the fruit of the Spirit. Let me give you a little background to the book of Galatians. This is where Paul shares the fruit of the Spirit in chapter 5. This might be the Apostle Paul's harshest letter. And I, when I read it, I see it, it's, it's, it's harsh in the sense where he's very concerned for this church. He loves this church, but they were departing from the truth. And so he calls them back to that. They began to believe this old practice and these, these lies from these false teachers. They were beginning to believe that it was according to your behavior that you were saved. If you just followed the law, if you just did all of these things then you will be in good graces with the Lord. And Paul was trying to say, hey, listen, no, 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 listen. Although the, the, the standard for holiness is the same, the way that it is achieved is entirely different. And this is where Paul begins to talk about the grace and the mercy of God. That no longer is it up to you following perfectly this law, that you can't be this perfect person No, you need a savior and you need the presence of God in your life. You need the spirit. It's through the spirit that you live a good life. It's through the spirit that there's power in and through your life. Don't be fooled. You can't just roll up your sleeves and just be perfect. No, it's by surrendering to the Lord, being forgiven by him, experiencing his great grace in your life and receiving the spirit that indwells within you that now you walk in step with the Spirit, and the Lord produces good things in and through you. When we come to our passage today, it's about the Holy Spirit's ministry of producing godly character within each and every one of us. It's about producing this godly character. The fruit describes what we ought to see as followers of Jesus. We should produce the fruit of the Spirit. When people are in our presence, they should see these things that we're going to talk about today. This is what we should be all about. What is your life producing? What would your social media friends say right now about you? What would your coworkers say about you? Your relatives say about you? Would you be producing and are you producing the fruit of the Spirit? I want to invite in just a moment a friend of mine. His name is Matt. He's going to come up and, and share. I'm so excited for you to hear my friend, 
Matt. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He's one of our residents here at the church. We have six residents. These are people who are learning more about ministry. Uh, many of them are getting education to, uh, in, in biblical and theological studies. Others are doing other things, but they're, they're working here at the church, growing and experience. And uh, we try to give them great responsibility. They don't just watch. They, they do ministry. And so Matt here in a moment, he's going to come up. He's, he's already coming up. Wait one second. No, I'm just kidding. He's coming up. You can come up right now, Matt. Come on up so people in the camera can see you as well. But this is Matt Marrera, and uh, he's one of our residents, and he's serving in our young adults area and also in our production teams. And uh, he has it on his heart. The Lord's laid it on his heart, a call to ministry and, uh, and to communicating and teaching God's word. So I thought, what better place to exercise that than in front of 3,000 people? That's great, right? And so I want to pray for Matt, and he's going to share uh, with all of us what the fruit looks like. Okay, let's pray for him. Lord, we pray for Matt. We thank you for him. We believe that you've called him, you've gifted him, and uh, we're so excited to hear what you want to say through him. So just bless him. Let him enjoy this time as he shares about your fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. In your name, amen. 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 Take it away, Matt. 3,000 people. <laughs> um, when I was first asked to talk about what the fruit of the Spirit looks like, there was a million different things that went on my head to talk about this topic because we could literally spend hours and hours dissecting uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And while we, you know, we would all love that, you know, we're not going to be here all day. <laughs> um, so while Pastor Brian and I were talking about what the fruit of the Spirit looks like, it, he made it very clear, the Lord made it very clear to both of us uh, to focus on one exact moment. And the exact moment that God made it very clear to us where the fruit of the Spirit is all produced is on the cross. So I want to kind of invite you all onto the cross because this is the, everything in the Bible is pointing to this moment. And on the cross, Jesus was beaten. People were mocking him in front of him. And it was complete, it was complete humiliation if we were there. So on the cross, there are a few things that I want to point out. We're not going to get through all of the fruit, but I want to point out a few. And the first one is self-control. Self-control that Jesus displays is very um, prominent because in the garden hours before, he was praying to the Father and I can't imagine his feelings, but he was literally bleeding as he was praying to the Father and saying, uh, is there another way? Is there another way that we can, we could go about this? And the Father's like, no, you have to go on the cross. You have to take on the sins of the world. Every evil thought that we have, every sinful action that we have, he's taking on. So that that was just immediate, immediate self-control, and he made it very evident. Um, and the other one I want to talk about is actually when he's on the cross. Uh, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Now, that's just a s simple sentence if we just read the Bible and we're going through the story and stuff. But he literally says, Father, forgive them, for, the, for they do not know what they do. He was patient with us. He was extremely patient with us because these are people who literally were saying Hosanna days before, and now they're spitting at him. They're calling him terrible things. They beat him, 
and they and he says, "Father, forgive them." That that doesn't make sense to me in my head because it's like these people are are like ripping you apart physically, and you say, "Father, forgive them." But that's his patience. He's patient with us. He's taking his time with us. Because if he acted out in that moment, we wouldn't be in this room right now. We wouldn't. The other thing I want to share is his kindness and his goodness. Because on the cross, John was the only disciple. And he was with his mother, Mary. And Jesus says, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to his disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. That's John nineteen twenty seven. He said that, and it kind of just shows his kindness and his goodness because he's literally saying that, you know, take care of my mother to John and knowing that his mom's okay. So you see this character of Jesus, you know, his goodness, his patience, his self-control. And that's the fruit. It's the characteristics of Jesus. The last thing I want to point out is his love. There were two thieves on the cross. There was uh, one thief that was making fun of him and mocking him, and the other one that was sticking up for him. There were two, uh, two complete opposites. And instead of Jesus not saying a word and letting things go, instead he literally turned to the, uh, to the thief who was sticking up for him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. And that's the joy and gentleness because he could have just not said a word and instead he said, today you shall be with me in paradise. And it's the love that he showed a man that in our eyes didn't deserve it because if we were there, those thieves, they deserve to die. But Jesus looked at him and said, you're gonna be with me in paradise because you believe. So when, when it, we, we talk about what does the fruit of the spirit look like in our lives, I wanted to share a story um, a little bit, it's a little bit deep. I, I, I feel weird because like you said Eeyore and I'm like, that's me. <laughs> I'm like, that's me. I'm like, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, this is, here's the problem. Here's this. Um, but uh, uh, I want to get a little deep for a moment, a little, a little bit personal into my own life because I'm going to talk about how I saw someone actually demonstrate the fruit of the spirit and what it actually looks like um, that I've experienced. Uh, and that story is when I was in high school. For some of us, we had really good high school experiences. And for some of us, we had really, really bad. And I have to admit, I was one of the rebellious teens. Every, everything that uh, my parents told me to do, I did the complete opposite. Everything that um, God was telling me to do, I did the complete opposite. And I was hanging around with the wrong crowd. I was hanging around uh, with people that were dragging me down. And I was, you know, doing all the things I, I shouldn't have been doing. And it got so bad that at one point I got suicidal. And my brother, who really this is who the story's about, my brother was there for me for my four years of high school, standing by my side. And he was standing by my side and he was watching me make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And he never acted out in anger. He never acted out in what the fruit of the spirit wasn't. He always acted in love. He always acted in joy. He always acted in peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. My brother stood there by my side, watching me tear myself apart. And so one night I got really heated. I was in one of those bad moods, you know what I mean? Like when you're like having that day and you just wake up and you're just like, today is not, I'm not feeling it. Like we're not, we're not, we're not doing this. I don't want to do anything. Um, it got so bad uh, that one night he, he came to me and he's like, is this what Jesus would want you to do? Because I was in a very tricky predicament, a predicament that I shouldn't have been in. And he said, is this what Jesus would want you to do? And instead of my reaction being like, oh yeah, you're right, conviction, I'm like, no, I don't want to hear this from you. And I got heated and I got angry over and over and over again. We started arguing and all this kind of stuff and it got so bad. I gave him a black eye and he actually started bleeding. He actually started bleeding from his eye and it broke me because I was hurting the person that I loved most. And friends, what I want to tell you is that on the cross, we sinners, we hurt Jesus most but he loved us so much that he gave us the Holy Spirit that we're, in, that we're able to produce the fruit. But the fruit is not just this checkbox of what we're, you know, of what we're doing throughout the day. And in fact, my brother had a choice. He had a choice to either hate me in that moment of hurting him physically and mentally. I said things I shouldn't have said. He had a choice to either hate me, but hours later, he came to me as I was kind of broken into my room and he said, I forgive you. And it brought me back to that passage, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. You see, my brother had a choice to produce the fruit or not produce the fruit and he took it. And so it makes me question, are we living, the fruit of the, are we living out the fruit of the spirit intentionally? Are we intentionally doing it? Are we, are we just showing up to church because it's Sunday? Are we coming here because your spouse dragged you here or your parents dragged you here? I know that it's family Sunday, so I got teens in the room. <laughs> um, but you guys are the future generation, and one day you guys are going to have to make the decision for yourselves to actually walk through church doors or not. But take it from experience that you have to intentionally Take, you intentionally have to live out the fruit of the Spirit. Because you're not just showing up and you're checking the box, but you're actually saying, hey, I'm making the choice to love someone. I am making the choice to keep my anger in control. I am making the choice to be patient. And so I want to invite Pastor Brian up um, as he uh, talks about why the fruit of the Spirit is important. But I just want to leave off and say that the fruit of the Spirit and what it does look like, it is a heart change. It is a character change. Thank you, Matt. It's amazing what can happen when somebody lives in a, a life in the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit is produced. Uh, it can transform others. This is why it's so important for us to keep in step with the Spirit, the Gospels at stake. Uh, the picture of Jesus is at stake. Uh, people encountering Jesus for themselves is at stake if we choose not to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. I remember um, when I was in, uh, just out of college, and one of my friends, her name was Rebecca, she told me this great story about how her sister set her up on a date, 
And uh, she said, sure, I'll go on the date. And her sister set it up. And then her sister sent the picture of the guy that she was going to meet. Say, hey, look for this guy. He'll be at this restaurant at this time. And Rebecca was like, okay, it sounds good. She got the picture. She went to the restaurant. She was looking all over. And this guy was nowhere to be found. So she went home and she was kind of upset. She called her sister and said, hey, what's the deal? You know, you set me up on this and then this guy doesn't even show. She's like, oh, I don't know what's that. Let me call him. Let me figure it out. She calls. No, no, actually, he was there. You must have missed him. Let's try this again. Fine, fine. Let's try it again. They set up another time, carrying the picture again. She goes to the restaurant, the right time, everything. She's looking all over the place. This guy is nowhere to be found again. She goes home and calls her. Says, what's the happening here? What, what's going on? I went to the place, right time, everything. I'm looking at the picture. I can't find him. Finally, her sister says, oh, whoa, 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 wait a second. I made a big mistake. I sent you the wrong picture. You've been looking for the wrong person. Friends, it's disastrous when somebody gives you the wrong picture. It's disastrous when the church gives the world the wrong picture of Jesus. Disastrous. This is why it's so important. When we try to go out and do it all on, our, on ourselves, just pull up our sleeves and just try to be good, do all this kind of stuff, we mess it up and we ruin the picture of Jesus. We have to walk in the Spirit. We need the Spirit to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Only Jesus himself can be Jesus. And it's the Spirit of Christ Jesus that is in us. It's so important. So important, our world is counting on it. Our God is counting on us living a life in the spirit that his fruit would be put on display. I love how Jesus gives that great commission. He says, listen, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. He wasn't talking about making disciples of you. He was talking about making disciples of him, his disciples. How do we do that? A life in the spirit, demonstrating the fruit of the spirit. Let me answer just one last question. How is this fruit produced in and through our lives? Let's get very practical. How, how is this fruit produced? A few things I want to share with you. First, the fruit of the Spirit is produced through a dependency on the Spirit of God. Maybe you've heard me share this before, but it's worth repeating, I think, is that I know as parents, you try to train your kids up to become more independent, right? This is a good thing to do. I'm hoping that McKenna's not holding my hand across the street when she's 40 years old. Although maybe that wouldn't be so bad as a dad. But you know, you get what I'm saying. I want her to be independent. I'm training them to be independent. In our relationship with God, it's the exact opposite. He's not training us to become independent. No, he's teaching us and walking us with us and helping us learn to be more dependent on him. The more dependent we become on him, the more we're gonna see the fruit of the spirit in and through our lives. We need to become more dependent on him. Are you walking with him hour by hour, minute by minute? Have you welcomed him into every aspect of your life? Um, when I was a young kid, I, I went to sleepover with my friend. His name was Danny Burke. I remember that. And, and I remember Danny's neighbor had these beautiful apple trees. And one night we decided that when, in, in, the, in the darkness of night, we were going to climb the fence with our flashlights, go over there. We were going to cut some branches off the apple trees, and then we were going to plant them in Danny's backyard. Thinking to ourselves, if we did this, we would have beautiful apple trees as well. 
So that's what we did. We went over, clipped the branches, climbed over, stuck them into the ground. We're like, yes, now we're going to be able to eat the fruit from the vine. Well, of course, you know what happens. A couple of weeks later, all the apples are dead. Nothing's growing. They're just branches sticking in the ground. Does this sound familiar to you at all? If you read John chapter 15, Jesus talks about this. Not me and Danny Burke, but he talks about this. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to stay connected to the vine. This is how the fruit is produced. What are you doing first thing in the morning? Are you turning to Jesus? What are you doing at lunchtime? Are you turning to Jesus? What are you doing in the evening? Are you turning to Jesus? Throughout your day, are you abiding in the vine? Are you seeking him? Are you communicating with him? Dependence on the Holy Spirit. How is the fruit produced in us? Second thing I want to share with you is this, is that it's produced as the fruit, not fruits. And actually what Paul is describing here is one fruit with many aspects to it. This is the character of Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is not a buffet where you get to go and say, I'll have some of this, and I'll pass on that. That doesn't look so good, and I'll have a little bit of this. You know, hey, listen, I'll be kind, but I'm not gonna be joyful. Hey, you know what? You know, listen, I'll I'll be good, but I'm not gonna practice any self-control. That's not for me. I don't want that helping No, it's not a buffet, friends. It's a five-star meal, a four-course meal. It goes all together. I would also argue that this is not the full list. (laughs) This list doesn't describe Jesus in his entirety, does it? This is just a, a glimpse that Paul's giving us of what the character of Jesus Christ looks like. And it's a fruit of the Spirit that we should portray all these things. If we're going to be patient, joy comes with it. Love comes with it. Self-control comes with it. The final thing I'll share here is how does the fruit produced in and through us? Over time. It's good for us to, to be reminded that this is a journey that we're on. I remember taking my daughter's ice skating for the first time and Reese was out there and I'm holding her hand, holding her up and we're skating along and eventually she looks up to me and she says, I don't like this. I was like, why don't you like it? She's like, because I'm no good at it. (laughs) Well, you just got out here. It's the first time out here. You've got to practice. You've got to get out there and skate more and you're going to develop and grow. You know, we can't throw a temper tantrum. I'm just not getting it. I'm not seeing it. Oh, this is what the Lord, he wants for us to go on this journey with him. This is why some of these things are called the disciplines of faith, to actually be devoted to following him, that we would grow and mature along the way. So how do we create, or how, how do we produce this fruit? What's, what's our role? You know, when I think of fruit, I think of gardeners, And when I think of a gardener, I think about what the gardener does. You know, a gardener doesn't grow the fruit. The gardener doesn't. The gardener doesn't just go out there and say, grow fruit. (laughs) It doesn't have the power to grow the fruit. The gardener creates the right environment for the fruit to grow. In the same way, this is how we walk with the Lord. We don't grow and mature ourselves. We get ourselves in the right environment for him to grow us. So how does a gardener create the right environment? Well, they prepare the soil. 
They get the seed in the sun. They daily water it through this diligence, through this practice, through this attention. The seed grows and and matures and bears fruit. And in a similar way, friends, we need to do the same. We need to prepare the soil. We need to remove the rocks. We need to pull the weeds. We need to till the soil. We need to get that soil ready for the word of God to come and, and, and do something within our lives. We need to prepare our hearts. We need to get the rocks out, those things that we know are gonna get in the way of what God wants to do in our life. We need to pull the weeds, those things that we know will choke out the activity and the intention of God in our life. We need to prepare the soil, get our hearts ready for God to move. We need to get in the sun. We need to meet with Jesus throughout our day. We need to position ourselves in direct sunlight. We need to put ourselves in places where we know we'll have direct encounters with Jesus Christ. Open his word. Spend time in prayer. Meet with godly people. Get in the sun. And we need to daily water. We need to get filled each day with his spirit. We need to commit each day to walk in step with his spirit. Daily giving the Lord time to speak to us. Daily stepping out in faith, trusting the spirit of God in our life. When we prepare the soil, when we get in the sun, when we daily water, we're gonna begin to see the fruit of the spirit more and more. Friends, I pray that you would experience the fruit of the spirit in your life. I pray that as church, we would keep in step with the Spirit of God so that the world would know that God sent his Son. And let us not be a church that gives the world a bad picture of Jesus. And the way to do that is by preparing the soil. The way to do that is by getting in the sun. And the way to do that is by daily watering, seeking the Lord and asking him to fill us each and every day. Hey, we pray that as you go today, wherever you are in your homes in one of our campuses, that you would go displaying the very character of Jesus who lives within you by his spirit. Pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Friends, I want to ask you to stand with me. And as you do that, uh, the band's going to come back out. And I just want to lead us in a time of prayer. You know, as I, I pray, I want to I want to reflect on each of these characteristics of Jesus that Paul highlights. And I'm just going to leave a couple seconds in between each one for the Lord to speak to you. This could be a moment where you say, you know what, Lord, I confess that I haven't been loving. Lord, would you help me? It could be a moment where you say, Lord, what do you have to say to me about this And so let me just pray for us. And I really want you to to meet the Lord right now as as we're praying together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are here now. We thank you that you're present with us by your spirit. Lord, we desire to be a people that display your fruit, that people would see Jesus in and through us. So Lord, as I pray through this list that Paul gave us called the fruit of the spirit, I pray that you would challenge us, that you would speak to our hearts, that you might correct us in those areas where we need correction. Maybe, Lord, you want to encourage us. Maybe for some, you you want to say, you have put this characteristic on display. Well done. 
And so, Lord, we, we present these things before you. Speak to our hearts individually, whether we're at home, whether we're in one of our campuses, Lord. Right now, we reflect on love. Jesus, how you demonstrated love throughout your life, and of course, on the cross as well. Lord, speak to us now about love. Lord, we think about joy. I wonder if that's how our friends would describe us. Filled with joy. Right now, Lord, I pray that you would come and you would fill us with hope. You would fill us with conviction. That you would fill us with an assurance of our relationship with you that would bring great joy within us. Lord, I pray about peace. Now you call us to carry peace. In fact, Jesus, when you sent your disciples out in 12 and then in 72, on one of the occasions you said, don't bring anything with you. But then you said, go into the homes and declare peace. Carry nothing but peace. Lord, I pray that we would be peacemakers. Lord, if we're breaking peace in any way, Pray that you would speak to us now. Lord, we pray for kindness. Lord, we pray for a, a kind heart. Lord, we pray that our first reaction to people would be to demonstrate your kindness to them. Give us compassion and love for others. Lord, we pray for goodness. Whatever good we do, Lord, we pray that it would point to you, Jesus Christ. Lord, there might be some listening right now who need to know what the next right step is. Lord, I pray that you would just share that with them, that they could step out in, in goodness. Lord, we pray for faithfulness. Lord, help us in our unbelief. Help us be faithful as you've been so faithful to us. Lord, we pray for gentleness or patience. We admit that we run out too quickly. Lord, give us a strength within our gentleness. people might see you in and through us. And Lord, we do pray for self-control. I'm sure for all of us, we lose our temper. We too quickly move on things without hearing from you. We overdo things. We find ourselves wanting to satisfy our human desires before ever seeking you. Lord, I, I pray that we would be a, a people that demonstrates self-control. Oh Lord, we thank you for the fruit of your spirit. We thank you that you indwell within us. 
Lord, we pray right now that there'd be less of us and more of you as we live. This is our desire, Lord. This is our desire. Lord, that we'd be able to follow you, that we'd be able to trust you, that we'd be able to demonstrate who you are to our hurting world. So Lord, just hear our worship now.